I have a confession to make as well because I was afraid to say this, but <laughs> you anyways insinuate I'm a murderer, so I was not saying this because you probably, you know, jumped down my throat. But when he in the previous scene when he's killing all these people and he's lying there in that blood, <laughs> super hot. Yeah. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So, Amy, are you ready to see your best buddy again? He has returned (sighs) for episodes 8 through 10 of Daredevil. Season two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Stick the dick. Indeed. Yeah. Although we do get to see a different side, don't we? We do. But I don't appreciate him anymore. Okay. We'll get into it. Uh Uh-huh. And I should let everyone know, I watched approximately 65% of these three episodes through my fingers. So if she makes a mistake or misses certain plot points, you know why? This was a rough watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched all three episodes today in one shot. It's all jumbled up in my mind right now. Well, one thing this show so kindly does for us is every episode picks up exactly where the previous episode left off. Yeah, that makes life so much easier, doesn't it? Indeed. Yeah, it all just blends together. Yes. Especially when we can just find our two quote-unquote heroes standing right over the pit they found last time. Yep, and it took all that time for the flashlight to finally hit the bottom. Yes, so the Yakuza are attacking Matt and Electra here, and in the process, they are masking their heart rates and their breathing somehow, making Matt Mm -hmm. truly blind to their presence. Yes, but he's still able to track them through their weapons. Yeah, and we've got a lot of them. So many swords. Yep. This episode would make Jack DeCane very happy. Don't take me back there. (laughs) The Hawkeye wound is still raw. But you can't deny he was very charismatic and he turned out to be a good guy in the end. Sort of. Maybe. Yeah. And sorry, not sorry, Electra slashed across the gut here. And Matt is also just about to be stabbed when... Who shows up? Yeah, fucking stick. But you have to admit that Electra getting slashed across the abdomen was because of Matt. He distracted her. A lot of things are because of Matt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stick shows up, kills the dude in front of Matt. And to his credit, this old man is still in phenomenal shape. Serious kudos to Scott Glenn. Yeah. Later on when we see him when he's saving Electra, he's wearing like a like a tank top and he's really buff for an old dude yeah scott glenn has that kind of old man strength that you just know he could rip charlie cox apart if he wanted to (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't even be a contest yeah this guy has some serious muscle man yeah and guys if you don't remember where we last saw stick go check out our uh, daredevil season one commentary series because these two were indeed ripping each other apart the last time they met yeah and he's the reason why matt matt had to get new furniture 
Yes. Although, I mean, that wasn't the worst thing in the world. True. (laughs) So Matt, Electra, and Stick make a hasty escape here. And I know Mm -hmm. you have something to say about this car. It was a good car. I was actually a bit distracted because for a minute I thought Stick was driving. And I said, wait, hold on. That's not possible. He shouldn't be driving. And then it took me a minute to realize he had a driver. Right. I actually have in my notes, Amy drooling, question mark? No, no, I'm not into vintage cars. I'm into sports cars. Okay. So they have the Yakuza on their tails. Electra is dying from blood loss in the backseat, but but we can't really go to a hospital, can we? Yeah, these people seem to be allergic to hospitals. And anyways, it seems like something is iffy with Electra and possibly being poisoned with something weird. Yeah, and I gotta say, this chase is pretty awesome with these Yakuza's just tumbling all over this vehicle. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, the way it's done, you feel the tension. Yeah. I love the camaraderie between Stick and Matt. Like, you got this, and he just punches him out. Like, yeah, I got this. Good team, again. Mm-hmm. And this had a Grand Theft Auto vibe to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So they do make it back to Matt's apartment. Where, uh, okay, there is indeed some poison happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we've got to, um, take some steps to deal with what looks a lot like Tony's rash in Iron Man 2. Yeah. Not that we're saying there's some kind of connection. It's just something we see a lot in a lot of shows. Correct. Black veiny kind of poison effect. Yes, there are no tinfoil hats on the premises today. Maybe. (laughs) so it's clear to us now 100 percent, that electra has a history with stick though it really hasn't hit maddie yet has it no he's a bit slow on the uptake isn't he should we write it down in braille for you matthew will that help do we need to say it in spanish perhaps i don't know i don't think it's so much about the communication aspect of it as so much as the accepting aspect of it it just doesn't get through that thick skull of his his skull is harder than that goddamn helmet Yep. And the helmet is actually not letting information pass through. But what is passing through Electra <laughs> is the homemade down and dirty elixir that Stick is pouring into her in the only moment I ever have sympathy for this woman. Yeah, that was brutal. She did a good job. Oh, yes. Yeah. Elodie Young was perfect for this role. Yes, she was. And after this bubbling chemical is absorbed, she starts feeling a bit better and they just wrap her up in sheets. They don't even try to close the wound. Do you need a trash can? (laughs) (laughs) I'm breathing in and out, in through the nose, out through the mouth. I got this. I got this. So I thought of this moment as less of saving her life and more of just preventing her from dying at this point. Do you see the difference? I do, but that is something that we will be discussing in the future episodes because I don't remember what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So this is another turning point for Matt, okay? It would be a turning point of some sort for anyone. This is a trauma. Mm -hmm. He's seeing her almost die in front of him. Mm -hmm. But I think Matt takes the wrong fork in the road here. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) 
you want to feel sorry for her? Absolutely. This is someone you once cared about going through a horrific ordeal. Sure. But this doesn't mean you have to or should want to be with her. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if his feelings were in the past tense if he, or if he just buried it. He's a mess. He is. I mean, you could clearly picture him reacting in exactly the same way if something happened to Karen. Sure. The what ifs. Yeah. This doesn't seem like it's a past feeling. Maybe it's all come back in the time that they've spent together, you know, almost killing other people. Yeah. But rage quickly takes over here because at this point, Matt realizes, oh, so you two do know each other. Yeah. But the rage is directed at Stick, not Electra. But the rage should also be partly directed at Matt himself for not realizing this forever ago. Yeah, he's just going to add that to his long list of things where he needs to torture himself. Indeed. So now we head over to Foggy and Karen at the courthouse because somebody has to represent Frank Castle. Yeah, and Matt seems to have forgotten all about his day job. Or shall we say cover story? Yep, you're right. So the trial is in full swing with Foggy taking lead. And we have a former commander who is giving Frank's character witness. Yes, Colonel Schoonover, played by Clancy motherfucking Brown. Yes, one of cinema's great villains. Yeah, I've seen him around quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a legend. Mm -hmm. The Shawshank Redemption is absolutely one of my favorite movies, and his performance in that is just incredible. He's one of those villains where you just want to see him die a slow, painful death. Mm -hmm. Don't tell Matt that. (laughs) He's also a terrifying human being. And in this episode, at the time, I thought, oh, man, this is just a fantastic quick cameo appearance. I should have known better. Yeah, I mean, you don't bring him in for a cameo. Yep, exactly. He's a heavy hitter. Yep. And poor Foggy is just dripping sweat all over the place because (laughs) he is breaking the number one rule of being a lawyer here, which is Never ask a question you don't know the answer to. But he was pretty fine with everything. It was Reyes who fucked up. Yes, but that doesn't preclude Foggy's nerves. Not quite. Yeah. Being not quite sure what this guy will have to say about Frank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he offers details on a former mission of then Lieutenant Castles. Mm -hmm. Speaking to Frank's character his leadership, and painting him 100% as a hero. Yeah, and from his testimony, we hear that this is not the first time Frank went up against extreme odds and came out standing. Yes. So this isn't a post-gunshot situation with him. He was as skilled always. Definitely. But what the colonel does say is that the man sitting in the courtroom today is not the Frank Castle he once knew. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And watch Bernthal here. It's great. His reactions. He can't even look at the guy. Yeah, he can't. And he's not saying anything, but you can feel the tension in him. He's just coiled and just ready to explode, but he's holding himself back 
excellent. Absolutely excellent the way he's played it. And there's so much wrapped up in his mind there, in his face. He is clearly not proud of anything coming out of the colonel's mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also does not like any of the attention. No, absolutely not. This is not a man who thinks he's a hero. No, he doesn't. He thinks he's just doing what he needs to do. And that's one of the things that makes him so damn endearing. So D.A. Reyes gets up swaggering here, thinks she's going to trip up the colonel, say, well, how do you know any of this story to be true? You weren't actually there. Yeah, and she gets basically told to sit down because he was there. Bitch. (laughs) Yeah, and you can see on her face that she's like, "Uh uh-oh, I kind of walked right into this, didn't I? And the colonel's credibility here only increases when he admits he was the fuck up. Yeah. And that Frank had to come in and save him. And the button on this is him saying, if it were up to him, Frank would have the Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I have no doubt Frank would hide in a drawer and never look at. Yeah. And this was just another great moment. Score another for Foggy. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love Karen's support of him. Yeah, because he is a great lawyer, but he just doesn't have the confidence. And Karen is doing everything she can as a friend and almost like a partner where she is holding him up, pushing him up because he deserves the recognition that he's getting. He's a fantastic lawyer. Yeah. Karen is Foggy's real partner. Yeah. And Foggy is now finally seeing Matt's not a better lawyer than he is. Mm hmm. And not only that, Foggy's there. That's half the job is just showing up. Yeah, that counts far more than being the smartest kid in the class. If you're not there, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, Matt does have things to do, though, that nobody else is going to beat up this old man for information, are they? (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to beat up himself. Mm -hmm. This was a little weird to watch, even though we know how tough Stick is, even though he's in great shape, it's still a little rough. It is. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to see some old guy getting beaten up no matter what. Yeah. Scott Glenn was nearly 80 years old when he was making this. He is 83 now. Are you serious? I'm serious. I just Googled this and I can't believe it. Holy shit. He's the same age as Hopkins and McKellen. Yeah. Hey, if I'm even half as fit as he is, I think I'd be on top of the world at that age. (laughs) You and me both. Forget at that age now. now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man, I do three minutes on my rower now every morning. I got my treadmill desk, but that old man could run circles around me. Mm Mm-hmm. Me too. So Stick is still a broken record here going on about his war. And Matt just writes him off as delusional. Yeah, you know, I love the bit where he says, okay, these people are immortal, come back from the dead thing. And Matt doesn't believe him. And he says, aren't you Catholic? Doesn't your whole faith depend on this one guy doing that same trick? That was the greatest line ever. I loved it so much. (laughs) As a kid who was forcibly raised Catholic and just wanted to poke as many holes in it as I could. As I got older, 
that made me smile. <laughs> so Stick tells him this whole, as Matt calls it, fairy tale about this, quote, collection of assholes <laughs> who figured out how to resurrect the dead. So this organization, once they were free from death, it made them wild and without conscience, which makes sense. And they are mm -hmm. called the hand. This made me wonder if when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was created, if they purposely called it the Foot Clan because of this. I don't know which came first. I'm not going to look it up. I just, that's my headcanon now. I'm choosing to believe that Ninja Turtles and Daredevil have a connection. Because Matt spent so much time in the sewer. How can they not? I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Plus the dumpster diving. They dumpster dive for pizza. I mean, come on. Matt was thrown into a dumpster. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on from the crazy town. We get into this fairy tale. Yes, and this is where things start to get murky for me. <laughs> so they're building or they have a weapon called Black Sky, but nobody knows what the fuck it is, including me, even mm -hmm. after seeing season two in its entirety. You need to watch The Defenders for that. I'm burnt. The hand is already coming for me in my dreams. I'm good for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I know one thing will surely not be coming for you is the chaste. Yes, the chaste was a child who grew up and became a major enemy of the hand and formed his own organization to protect the world. Mm-hmm. Right. See, I want to make a sex joke about the hand and the chaste. <laughs> it's there, but you can't quite put it together. Well, kind of. I mean, if you only use your hand, you will still be considered chaste, wouldn't you? Not in Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> or using your hand is not chaste. Sure. If anyone else can come up with some better jokes, please let us know on Twitter. <laughs> so Matt assumes that Stick is the chaste, but it's interesting he neither confirms nor denies this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they did that for a reason. Yeah. Because if that's the case, then Stick would be, what, hundreds of years old? I mean, if Scott Glenn is 83 now, I could believe that Stick is 200 somehow, supernaturally. Why not? Sure, yeah. So Stick tells Matt that New York is ground zero in a war it doesn't even know is happening. Oh, that's a great line, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I just don't like that it's coming out of Stick's mouth. <laughs> this is a big check mark in the plus column for the city actually needing Daredevil. Yeah. Because, you know, as we've seen, let's say, in I don't know, other franchises we've covered recently, the NYPD can't even handle giant lizard men, let alone all of these <laughs> friggin' ninjas with their giant poison samurai swords. Yeah, but. The hand and the chase are doing things to each other. They're not bothering other people for now. But that's just it for now. There's right. bigger things in the works, of course. Bigger things that are more important than Maddie's little life. Mm -hmm. 
And this is when it really hits Matt. Like he hasn't even fully gotten it here yet. Electra works for me. Yeah, he needed it to be spelled out for him. I wanted to get like a box of old alphabets, you know, the cereal they don't even make anymore and spell it out for maybe that way. (laughs) Maybe some alphabet SpaghettiOs. I don't know. So him finding out that Electra worked for Stick all along was quite a punch to the gut. Yes. Yeah. While he turns that over in his mind, we're going to head back to Frank Castle's trial where Mm -hmm. Foggy is discussing, you know, just that little gunshot Frank took to the head. Yeah, no big deal. So this injury is causing Frank to have a hyperactive nervous system, which means this poor guy is constantly in fight or flight mode with cortisol Mm -hmm. and adrenaline pumping constantly. Yeah, and he is essentially constantly reliving the death of his family. Yes. And guys, I can tell you, dealing with a nervous system like that, it's friggin' awful. I dealt with that for a number of years with constant heart palpitations, racing brain, when I was in various states of thyroid malfunction. At times, you really feel like your heart is going to pop right out of it, your chest. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and anyone who's ever experienced a panic attack knows how brutal it could be. Yeah, so this is very smart on Foggy's part. This is not a PTSD issue. This is a physical, chemical issue causing an extreme emotional disturbance. Right. And Frank, I mean, he's not happy about being explained in such a clinical manner, but he's going along for now. Yeah, and Frank is smart enough to know there's no arguing this. He understands he was shot in the freaking head. Mm-hmm. There's only so much denial he can have. Correct. I mean, he wouldn't want to say it's all just chemical. Agreed. But the reason why he's doing it is a big part of it. Right. And the important thing about this type of defense, it means that all of Frank's murders are considered crimes of passion and therefore not eligible for the death penalty. Ah, okay. Because they are not premeditated Mm -hmm. and there are severe mitigating factors. Interesting. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. But they did mention that New York doesn't have the death penalty anyways. But Delaware does. And for some of Frank's murders were committed in Delaware on the show. Right. But they couldn't use that anyways. We found that out in when Nelson Murdoch took the case as well. They, They couldn't because of the evidence and some shenanigans. They couldn't try him in Delaware. We'll put it this way. This is making sure that if Reyes found a way for there to be some federal case out of these crimes, Mm -hmm. this would negate the death penalty. This is covering all bases. All right. So as Foggy is finishing up here, we get an outburst from the son of one of Frank's victims. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this kid, he did a good job, whoever he was. and. He was emotional. He startled Frank and everyone else in the courtroom. Yeah, he's clutching a picture of his father. It's an effective moment. Mm -hmm. And Frank is clearly affected by it. Yeah. He doesn't ever want to hurt kids. No, he doesn't. And the fact that this kid lost his father because of Frank. Frank probably doesn't feel guilt about killing this guy if he was a criminal. 
but he feels guilty about this kid losing a father. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if Frank had the capacity to think about consequences to kids when he was killing these people. I don't think he would have cared about the wives so much because he could have justified a lot of them as being complicit. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he thought about the kids at all. And because of that, I don't think he had the capacity because there's too much father in him to not consider it. Yeah. And perhaps at that time, he might even rationalize it as he's taking away a bad influence. Mm, They're better off. Yeah, they're better off. You never know what kind of father they were. Yeah. And when Matt is chained up and he's trying to make Frank not kill people, he does mention wives and kids, but Frank dismisses it immediately at that time. That's true. I forgot about that. Well, you got to consider the source on that one, too. It was laughable. True. So we're back in Frank's cell now with him and Karen, and he's more concerned about her than himself. Yeah. He's developing affection for her. I'm not saying romantically or anything like that, but he cares for her. Yes, because he's an honorable man. And at this point, she's probably the only friend he has. Definitely. And he is also grateful for all the work she's doing on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knows she's going above and beyond and also knows that it's an internal struggle for her because he's a little complicated. Yeah, just a bit. But she's 100% in his corner and he respects that. Yes. And I did forget to mention, again, the true crime cap is on this entire episode and I'm really, really pulling it on tight right now because (laughs) Karen wants to make, Karen wants to make biggest lawyer mistake number two and put her client on the stand. No, 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 no. I'm willing to forgive her that because she's not actually a lawyer. But Foggy should have stepped in. Yes. It's Foggy's job to say that's the dumbest, most insane thing we could possibly do. Yeah. When she does bring it up with Foggy, he basically behaved in the same way he would have had Matt brought this up. You're absolutely right. He's trading one for another and that's on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody, listen carefully here, okay? If you are ever arrested on trial, whatever, for a crime, two things. Number one, don't ever, ever talk to the cops without a lawyer, okay? We learned that in Spider-Man No Way Home. Did we not, Ned? Never, ever. (laughs) You keep your mouth shut. Number two, never, ever take the stand in your own defense, no matter who your lawyer is no matter how innocent you are. Let's hope that you do not ever have to use those tips. (laughs) But nonetheless, good to know, at least if you're arrested in America. Yeah, that's true. And this is another great scene of connection between Karen and Frank. He's starting to get nervous about himself. The writing is incredible. It breaks my heart when Frank looks at her and says, what if this is just me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, anybody who's ever been diagnosed with a mental illness or a physical illness or recovering from one, you guys get this because we never know how much of us is us or the illness or chemicals, right. you know? And yeah. you don't know where one ends 
and the other begins, all those lines get blurred and you don't know how much more change will come or when it'll happen. Yeah. I know you're speaking from your experience, but I personally had an experience like that where I had to take medication and that medication did not agree with me. And it started giving me some severe anxiety and to the point where I had a panic attack as well over nothing. And I couldn't understand what was happening with me. How could one, you know, tablet make such a huge difference in my mindset? And I didn't know, this went on for about two weeks and I did not know what to do, how to do, is this me? I was ready to jump off a bridge. Mm -hmm. And I think this is partly why Foggy sticks with his idea of Frank being nuts. It's just easier to think that too than to parse all the stuff we're talking about. Yeah, it's easier and it creates a certain distance. Yeah. If he tries to empathize with him and think that, oh, this could potentially happen to him too, it's horrifying to think that. Yeah, and Foggy really shows here what I think is pretty true in real life is that generally speaking, and this is not necessarily a good thing or a compliment, not always, men are better at emotional compartmentalizing than women. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, but not always. Yes, because Foggy does an amazing job of making the jury think he believes his own case. Yeah. But in reality, he's got nothing but doubts. Yes. And that's the sign of a good lawyer. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter how they feel. Mm -hmm. It matters what they can prove. Correct. I'm turning into Tom Cruise right now. It's happening. <laughs> I've seen a few good men too many goddamn times. Mm -hmm. But Karen gets Foggy here with his own argument. And she's right. If Foggy truly believes Frank is insane, then they got to help him. Yeah, she played him like a fiddle. Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> and he didn't see it coming. He never does. No, he did not. No. We, we say Matt is naive, but Foggy, he's a baby. He is. By I, comparison. Look at that face. <laughs> yeah. So Foggy gives in to her here about putting Frank on the stand on one condition. Matt will question him. Yes. And this is a tough thing here because I partly agree with Foggy in that there's a reason people have partners. You know, I was just thinking about you and I in this. We each have our strengths. We each do what we do. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. There are many reasons for that when it comes to the two of us. <laughs> but the big difference between you and me and Nelson and Murdoch is that we both show up. Yes. Yes. We are on equal footing. Yes. And the other part of this is that Foggy can't explain to Karen the real reason he wants Matt to do this questioning. Yeah, yeah. He's stumbling over words. He's trying to avoid it, but she's not letting go. Eventually, he just puts his foot down. Yeah, because she's also right. She says to him, why do you put Matt in the driver's seat when you can do this yourself? Yeah, she's right. And she can see for herself that this entire case, Foggy's been handling on his own. Matt has been a no-show consistently. The only thing he's been consistent about is not showing up. Yeah. It's funny how Karen kind of like bullies him into this via compliments. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I will admit I've done that on occasion. Yeah. But, you know, I actually kind of disagree with Foggy here. I get what he's trying to do. Matt is out to prove that Frank is also nuts to distance himself from Frank. Mm -hmm. I get the logic. But I don't think if it had all worked out the way Foggy intended, I don't think Matt had the discipline to keep his own crazy in check doing that questioning if Frank were to not be compliant in the way he wanted him to. Yeah, I agree with you because later on we see in the episode, even before Frank gets crazy and starts shouting, Matt had gone off on his own tangent. Yeah. That is not what he should have done in the first place. Foggy would have been far more adept at handling this. I agree. Because at that point, Matt was just preaching. So back at Matt's apartment, Electra is finally explaining a little bit here. Matt was a mission for her from the beginning. Chance encounter at a gala. Matthew, come on. (laughs) Yeah, but she fell in love with Matt on this mission. Which I think she believes. Yes, I think she loves the idea of them more than him. Oh, absolutely. Just the idea that she could be capable of that and that she's not some kind of monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody so, wants to think they're a monster, even if they are. My true crime cap disagrees with you, but we'll move on. All right. It's like the sorting hat at Hogwarts. It speaks now. <laughs> so now Electra is Matt's mission because he's a perfect human being. He's totally fine. So let's fix other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. The only thing he can he thinks he can do to fix her is by making her promise she will not kill. Right. You idiot. I really feel like banging his head against a wall. This whole scene is like promising a toddler a lollipop if they'll just be good sitting through a movie. Because he's basically dangling the idea of a relationship in front of her if she could be a good girl. And I think he believes that, that he will be in a relationship with her. Oh, he does. He totally does. Yeah. The delusion isn't his relationship. The delusion is that she will actually follow what he wants. Yeah. And I mean, nothing but lies and false identities and phoniness. What a great foundation for a relationship. Considering how mentally fucked he is, it works for him. Yeah, that's all his relationships. Yeah, true. And I think it also comes down to, just like Matt for her, Electra is the only one he can truly be himself with. Mm-hmm. I think he's getting exhausted with this charade of living a double life. Just the, using the damn cane, just pretending to be blind would be exhausting, let alone pretending not to be Daredevil. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's not realistic in no. the least. no. When has that ever stopped Matt Murdock from doing something? True. So while Electra is recuperating here in Matt's bed and they're having their heart to heart. Whoops. Hi, Karen. Yeah. So she comes in, finds two blind guys and a woman. Yeah. And this woman, good looking woman, is in Matt's bed. Yes, she is. Bridge burned. Bridge incinerated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if it were anyone else except Matt, 
I would think that she was overreacting. But seeing the amount he lies and she has no idea what's going on with him and the whole cover story of his of him being a drunk or something like that. I see why she just wanted to cut her losses and walk away. Oh, yeah. I think she did the best thing for herself. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult for me to say. (laughs) He was wearing a shirt, right, at that time? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Then otherwise you would have you would have had something very different to say. It'll happen again. Uh-huh. And this asshole has the nerve to show up at the courthouse and try to apologize to her. He should. Why should he not have the nerve to do that? I should say he tries to explain himself. Yes, but she's not having any of it. No, nor should she because he has had ample time to explain anything up to this point yeah and it's not just her and electra it's the whole situation yeah he's been out of control and here is where i really wanted to just yank him by that tie and throw him up against the wall what right does he have to be pissy towards foggy here absolutely yes the way Matt is behaving, he's behaving like he's entitled and that everyone should accommodate his stuff and not everyone is dealing with their own stuff and everyone tries to do the best. Yeah, as if Foggy is overreacting to his horrendous behavior. Yeah, Foggy is absolutely not overreacting. In fact, I think he's underreacting. I'm just so glad to see him finally standing up to Matt at all. Yeah, true. And we get another great line here. You're here because you're almost as crazy as Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that Foggy's so pissed at Matt. I think this is probably the first show where I'm happy that someone is pissed off at the lead. Yeah. And it's justified. It's not just a plot thing of, oh, so the villain is unhappy with the hero. Yeah. And it's just so well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Frank is brought in looking, quote, better than I ever have, and he's not even wearing a tie. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when Frank gets up to the stand, we hear the bailiff talk to him. And he says, think about what you want, Frank. Yeah. Matt hears that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not really a threat. No. Smarter than that. Mm -hmm. Because what does Frank really want? He wants answers. Yes. He wants to know who killed his family and take them out. And turns out getting put in a mental institution isn't the best way to accomplish that. Yeah, it isn't. So Frank is well on his way to sabotage himself. Yeah. And I swear you can see the wheels turning in Bernthal's head here. Yeah. Yeah. He is so good. I love this scene so much. He is, but this scene also drives me absolutely insane. Objection, Your Honor. Counsel is giving his closing statement. Is there a question here? (laughs) Yes, I agree. Matt was completely off the rails. Yeah, you can't do that. This is one time I would have been with Reyes because she should have been on her feet. Yeah, Matt wasn't Matt Murdock at that time. He wasn't a lawyer. He was Daredevil talking to people you're right and you know speaking of a few good men 
this is a case where Demi Moore's character in that movie would have actually been useful. Because that was the one thing she knew how to do was object. <laughs> Strenuously. Mm-hmm. But once Matt is done, Frank starts speaking is the way I will put it. That's one way, for sure. <laughs> I don't I just love this bit. I love the way he got so in your face. These are the kind of moments where I love to watch press tour footage and real deep interviews and find out how does an actor prepare for a scene like this? Mm -hmm. When they just lose their fucking minds. In this scene, I was genuinely afraid of him. Me too. Yeah, this is like Robert De Niro raging bull maniac. Mm -hmm. A movie yeah. which also scared the shit out of me and I will never watch again. <laughs> for a number of reasons. <laughs> okay. So Frank completely torpedoes his defense here, which Foggy sees as Matt's fault. Kind of is. Yeah, I don't disagree because that essentially closing statement he gave kind of riled Frank too, because that statement was for Matt, not for Frank. Yeah, 100%. But Matt also knows somebody got to him. Yeah, but Foggy isn't willing to listen at this point. And I get it. I understand. He's pissed off. Yeah, and Karen too just finally blows up at him. Yeah, this part of the episode where... It's all finally crumbling around Matt's ears. I love it. Yeah. It was coming. All these episodes. It took eight episodes. It's finally here. And it's deserved. He absolutely fucked up. 100%. Karen looks at him and just, and just hits that final nail on the coffin. This city really needs heroes, but you're not one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's below the belt for him. He's got body armor. Whatever. <laughs> so back at Matt's apartment, Electra gives Stick the news here. She wants to be with Matt, so she's going to be a good girl and help train him to go against the hand. They're going to live happily ever after. Yeah, I don't know if she genuinely believes that or it's just an addict trying to tell themselves, oh, I'll get sober tomorrow. Yeah, oh, I think she desperately wants to believe it, but. This is the real fairy tale, not Styx War. The real fairy tale mm -hmm. is a relationship between Matt and Electra. Yeah. I mean, it could work, but not because Electra decides not to kill. It'll be the other way around. Yeah. And Stick lays it out for her. You can't change what you are. And in the end, we're going to find out he is right. Yeah, he is. And Electra still has a lot that she's hiding from Matt. Big shock. Mm -hmm. And he deserves that, too. He does. He's putting himself in this situation. Yep. And now Stick takes his ball and goes home. <laughs> I'm going to go find real warriors. Yeah, not these amateurs. I'm not going to invite you to the sandbox ever again. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. Meanwhile, somebody's watching Matt's apartment. Mm-hmm. We don't know who that is yet. It looks pretty familiar, though, doesn't he? Well, he's a ninja. We've been seeing a lot of ninjas around. Yeah, a ninja that they hold on a little too long. <laughs> so Matt heads home, and how sweet. Stick left him a knife in the table. It's always good to leave a gift for your host. Electra's still here recovering. 
these two, they fucking deserve each other. They really do. <laughs> and both yeah. of them, it's completely about them. N- neither of them sees that. They're so wrapped up in their own shit that they can't see how selfish each of them is and that they're using this relationship or the idea of it for their own purposes. Yeah. I mean, it's the fact that they're selfish is the reason why they're not seeing it. And that's why they're not good for each other. Yet they are perfect for each other. And once again, we have Matt rationalizing all of this, justifying everything he's done with Electra because it's all been to save her. She's his new mission. And Mm -hmm. that supersedes everything. Yeah. He wants to save Electra, which he knows deep down is not possible. And he's sabotaging and ruining his life and relationships with the same people that that he actually needs. Yeah, the people that have been there for him, the people that have been Mm -hmm. true friends to him, he's willing to throw them all under the bus for that bitch. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't about Electra. This is about him blowing up his life. Because he's a coward. Why is he a coward? He's a coward and he's lazy. Because making Electra his new mission is a hell of a lot easier than doing the necessary work it would take to repair and rebuild his relationships with Foggy and Karen, if they could even be mm-hmm. repaired. It could be repaired if he took even a little bit of an effort. Yeah. So much easier to play the martyr, so much easier to sit on his self righteous throne being better than Electra and fixing her. Yeah. And. Once that blows up in his face, he's still sitting on that throne, but he's just using another excuse. You sit on a throne of lies, Matt Murdock. (laughs) Honestly, these three episodes, I have been so pissed off at him. Mm -hmm. It's just been building and building. Well played, Mr. Cox. Well played. Yeah. He's done a fantastic job. I really want to strangle him. (laughs) So out of nowhere, right in the apartment... Matt is attacked by the hand. Yeah. And we have a great fight scene over here. And Matt wins. He realizes this kid is scared because of his heartbeat. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, sure. He's probably scared, but they just had a huge fight. His heartbeat is going to be a bit high. Yes. But the gist is here. Matt has no intention of hurting this kid because he's a kid. Mm -hmm. As soon as he sees that anyway. Yeah. Electra has other ideas. Yeah, she just waltzes in, slits the boy's throat. Like he's a fucking deer. Yeah, I guess the same amount of blood. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And all that blood is just raining on Matt's face. It's fantastic. The look on Elodie Young's face here, the way she plays this is incredible. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a compulsion. It's like she's a child in that moment. Yeah. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. Way to pick him, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, true. And congratulations, you have now also been poisoned. Yes. So while Matt is clinging to life, Frank has a little trip to make in prison. Yeah. So Frank is, quote unquote, being checked in and... He is on his way to meet his welcoming party. Yeah, a little appointment here in the yard. Yeah. We get a hint of who it is first because of the amount of weight 
we see on this bar. Yes. And then we see the physicality of the person from the back. I see you got my message. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> yes, he's back. Yay, I was so happy. All right, all right. Now we're getting somewhere. Yep. Yeah, yeah. See, now there's a guy that I'm actually rooting for in this show. Yes, and I want to make this clear as well. Wilson Fisk is the only person, fictional or real, who plays 4D fucking chess, everybody. Because <laughs> this guy is 10 steps ahead every time. Yes, he is. Before we continue our discussion of Daredevil Season 2, we want to tell you guys about a podcast you'll enjoy. Every Tuesday on Just Films and That Pod, Josh and Alice talk about, you guessed it, films. They've got a broad range of commentary episodes ranging from classic to new, action and drama to sci-fi and comedy. As card-carrying nerds, you may particularly want to check out their episodes on The Green Lantern and Batman Returns. That's Just Films and That Pod, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And episode nine is great, because again, we see a showcase of great flashbacks on this show mm -hmm. and yeah we go back here to see the full prison journey of mr fisk yeah so we take a bit of a break from matt and his issues yeah and we need it yes very welcome break i must say yeah smart move on their part mm -hmm. we start off right where fisk ended really in season one being brought into prison for booking and oh the humiliation yeah while they're telling him to take his clothes off, which he's doing it, and he's doing it in this dignified manner. And then the cufflinks come off. And there goes the dignity and the humanity. Yep. Those cufflinks are a loaded symbol. Yes, they are. And those were the ones that Vanessa chose for him that day. Yes. I thought he might actually cry here. <laughs> no. He wouldn't have because that's showing weakness. In my mind, because I had just seen Clancy Brown, I'm just hearing fresh fish, fresh fish. <laughs> and then as if it can't get any worse, we get into Wilson's new cell here. And that wall, oh boy, that's rabbit in a snowstorm. Yes, it is. And we in fact see that in season one at the end. So... They tied it in together here. Okay, I hadn't remembered that. Yeah, they showed us that one bit of him staring at the wall. Then we see Fisk meeting with his lawyer. And to his credit, his primary concern is Vanessa. Mm -hmm. They are good for each other. They care about each other. They take care of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's trying to take care of her, <laughs> but he's running out of money after the government seized most of his funds and assets. Yeah. And this is the meeting where it really hits him. Like, he's fucked. His lawyer tells him, you are facing months, if not years, in prison. You just got to keep your head down. Yeah. And this is the point where, yes, it all hits him that he's fucked. But he's already making plans for the future. Yeah, I just laughed and thought to that lawyer, you don't know him very well, do you? <laughs> like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> he don't know me very well, do he? Well, he's doing his job. If he wouldn't say that, he wouldn't be doing his job. That's true. 
And at this point, Fisk is a bit f- like fish out of water. He's not sure what's going on. Yeah. Oh, but he figures it out pretty quickly. He does. He takes the time. He observes. He sees and he does what he needs to do. Yeah. And he gets a visitor eventually. Mm-hmm. Dutton. Yes. Who lets him know, mm-hmm. look, big man, this is my prison. You best not make any attempts at overthrowing me. Yeah, see, this was the moment where Dutton signed his own death warrant. I literally have in my notes, dude just signed his death warrant. Wait, you do? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) I truly do. Same page. (laughs) Okay. I'm the kingpin of this bitch. No. 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 And where does he get off calling Fisk fat man? He's fat too. I hate it when people do that. Yeah, that's like the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, I mean, yes, the kettle's bigger, but still. (laughs) He has several inches over him. Yeah. He should not be talking to him about that. No. And I also love that, and they rationalize it on the show, I love that Fisk starts out in white, not orange. It's great Mm -hmm. foreshadowing in a fan service way. Yeah, it is. So then another opportunity comes to Fisk. We have a former mortgage broker who approaches him. And this is a smart guy. He knows how to appeal to Fisk. We're not savages like the rest. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking, dude, dude, what is wrong with you? Desperation. He makes a smart play for sure. He knows if he's in Fisk's corner, he's safe. Yeah. I think that's why he does it, because he's as smart as he is. Yeah. So he... And I think Fisk recognizes that. Yeah. And respects it, too. So Fisk is still unsure about how things are, but he has no problems making friends with this dude. And he realizes that there is an opportunity here. This mortgage broker seems to have made some interesting friends. They're brothers who are in jail together for some crime they committed. And Fisk decides that perhaps helping them out would be a good idea to make them allies. Yeah, when he first said, do they have family, my blood went cold. (laughs) I was thinking he was going to start killing people, but I forgot. Wilson Fisk is smarter than I am. Yeah. When I heard that, I said, "Uh uh-huh, see, now that's a smart plan. Yep, carrots and sticks. Yeah, and also, you want to get a mama's boy, you make mama happy. (laughs) That's right. So, yeah, good plan, Mr. Fisk. Yeah, mama and the legal team. And the music Mm. here is amazing. This is Wilson Fisk rising, taking his first steps to regain his power. And it is glorious. It is. And that goes to show that Fisk can thrive anywhere i hate that i love it i hate that i root for him but i can't (laughs) help it yeah it's amazing i love it that's what makes the best villains sometimes the ones that you hate to love because he's just so damn good at it he is excellent and you have to respect that intelligence yep marvel we know vincent d'onofrio is back wilson fisk is back can we get a spin-off show of the Kingpin. Um, only if it's the real Wilson Fisk and not that alternate trash version they gave us in Hawkeye. Thank you very much, please. <laughs> I'm sure there's a writing fix for that. Let's make it happen. Bye. Yeah. 
And just as Fisk is taking these first steps, he hears about Frank Castle and he smells another opportunity. Yes, he does. And did you see that he's keeping a notebook of everything he sees and hears? Yes. Goddamn genius. He is. And that's the thing. Like, people are underestimating him at this point because he's seeming like he's meek. Yeah. But he isn't. He's observing quietly. Even his own lawyer is underestimating him because this guy's nervous about money because it's costing them, Mm -hmm. you know, to help out the guy's families and the legal team. But Fisk knows exactly what he's doing. He is investing. Yes. Sometimes you've got to spend money to make money. Yes. And we leave off there for a little while with Castle and Fisk having their first play date. Yeah. But first we have to go deal with the mess in Matt's apartment. And we don't just mean him, but the literal mess (laughs) of an entire body full of blood on the floor. Yeah. So Matt is in and out because he's dealing with the effects of the poison and the toxins leaving his body. So he's kind of... And Electra, being the professional killer that she is, has some professional cleaners. Yeah. And she makes an interesting argument here about killing this kid. She claims this was just self-defense. And my question is, is she wrong? Yes, she's wrong because she wasn't in danger. She caught him unawares. Technically speaking, it's not self-defense. But this kid was on a mission to kill her. And he will be replaced by others who are trying to kill her. So she believes. She doesn't know yet what she is and what they want her for. But she, he was trying to kill Matt. They're going to replace him with those trying to kill Matt. And, and she also thinks her, presumably. Yeah, but there's a hole in that argument because if the kid didn't kill her, others would come anyways, irrespective of whether that boy is alive or dead. Well, think of it this way. At least for me, this is like Batman and the Joker where you have to ask, is your code more important than this? Is it so important? Is it truly for the greater good? Because they are now dealing with this friggin' supernatural cult. So I am asking now at this point, like, is Matt's way enough? In this case, is it actually selfish and cowardly not to kill because of the supernatural aspect of this? It's not like the justice system can prevail here. I've always thought that Batman should have killed the Joker at the end of The Dark Knight, that killing the Joker was the best thing for the city, that if he, as long as he was alive, he was going to keep causing mayhem, and that Batman was too self-righteous in that moment and not killing him. And at this point, I feel like Matt is doing the same. I agree. In this case, Matt's code is not enough. He needs to think about the greater good. And what you said is right. The justice system is not going to prevail in this scenario since there is no evidence for anything either way. It's all happening in the dark. Yeah. And in a way, if you think about it, what Matt's doing, he's just recycling the goons. (laughs) He's beating them up. They recover. They come back. He beats them up again. In In this way, it's a one and done kind of thing like Frank was doing. Yep. And like you said, that's all being done in the dark. But what is now fully in the light is the fact that Electra is a psychopath who really likes killing people. Yes. And I would just like to clarify this entire conversation that we're having about killing being the better 
thing to do or not is purely hypothetical. (laughs) It's in the context of the show, in a fictional show, in a fictional world and all of that. We do not condone murder in any way. Yes. What happens in the kitchen stays in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. So Electra uh, killed her first victim when she was 12 just to know that she could. And uh, I think Jeff Goldblum would definitely say, lock her the fuck up. (laughs) At 12, she wanted to see if she could get away with it. Yeah. So this is the point where Matt realizes this is not going to work out. Well, I think what's more interesting here is what Matt doesn't realize. He tells her he fell in love with her and doesn't think about what this might say about him. No, because he's in denial. And there's a reason why he's pushing so hard about the whole not killing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think deep down, he may know that once he starts, he cannot stop. And we've seen this happening in this entire season so far. He's not killed anyone, but he's getting more and more brutal with the way he's dealing with these guys that he's beating up. They're on the ground, not being able to defend themselves, and he does not stop punching. Yes. And I am clinging to my rage for him by a thread here because we're just walking around shirtless again because the writers hate us. They're just cruel. They're cruel for you. It doesn't matter either way to me. (laughs) So Matt finally realizes, yeah, they, they can't do this anymore. They can't be together. At which point I take my time machine back to 1990 and say, uh, duh. (laughs) yeah and he finally tells her goodbye yeah so he takes his ball and goes home and now nobody's gonna play (laughs) meanwhile wilson and frank are getting to know each other a little better yeah do you think fisk's sympathy for castle is genuine no i don't even need to think about that he's playing castle one hundred percent and he knows castle knows it yeah they both know this is the friends thing this is a friend <laughs> scenario do they know that i know and i know that do they know that i know it's amazing <laughs> it is i think that fisk knows he's not being genuine but i think he's underestimating castle's intelligence over here he's being heavy-handed he is and i think it's because he knows he can I don't think it's about intelligence. I think it's about him knowing how desperately Frank wants the answers. This is taking advantage of Frank's humanity in a way. What I think we'll see is that Fisk is underestimating Frank's other abilities. Yes, that is for sure. But I also think he's underestimating how easily he can manipulate Frank. He does it, though. Pretty easily. Yeah. He does, but it didn't happen as easily as he thought he could have. Yeah, he didn't expect Frank to stand up to him the way he does. Yes, and for Frank to see through his bullshit to a certain extent, as well as, and not just fall into line and be his muscle. Yeah, and, you know, Fisk talks here about 
having sympathy for Frank at the hands of the law, you know, being failed by Nelson and Murdoch. And he wants to use Frank not only to get out, but to bury Matt and Foggy, too. I think there's a part of Fisk that believes this, that believes Mm -hmm. it's empathy. But he's got too much rage buried down. So in order to channel that, he's going to use Frank as a human bullet. Yep. Pretty much. I can't think of a better human bullet. I could. Watch season three. (laughs) Right. Yes, I have seen season three recently. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that Frank is a terrible human bullet because he's not being played and he has his code. At the same time, he does exactly what Fisk wants, which is take out Dutton. Yep, he does. All Fisk has to do is tell him, look, Dutton had something to do with the murder of your family. You'll get answers out of him. Mm -hmm. And what I do appreciate is that Fisk doesn't hide the fact that he wants to take Dutton out so he can take over the prison. It's smart because Frank has selfish motives too. Yeah. They both have selfish motives with a common goal. In this way, I think he actually does respect Frank's intelligence because he doesn't try to lie to him. At this point, yes, because initially he was trying to manipulate him and dealing with him as he would a common thug. But once he realized that Frank is not just some dumb dude who will do what he says, then he speaks to him. Yeah, and it's so interesting here because... Each of them thinks they're better than the other yep. for different reasons. Yeah. And both of them in the same scene together, they're two powerful forces together. Neither one is overpowering each other. I'm just speaking generally from an artistic perspective. They are electrifying. Yeah. And of course, Frank can't resist this. Mm-hmm. So they arrange it so that Frank is going to be taken to Dutton's cell later, gives him a shiv. Something tells me you'll make do. (laughs) What a line. Yeah. And Bernthal plays this so well because you can see he hates himself for this, even as he's finally getting his greatest wish. He does because he knows that he's helping a criminal. Yeah. And that is something that he absolutely does not want to do. Yeah. He doesn't like to bend. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Fisk tells him, don't worry, buddy, you do this for me, uh, we're done. Okay. Well, they would have been done. That's true. That's true. You're right. Technically. Oh, he, son of a yeah, bitch. he wasn't lying. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and speaking of a lying son of a bitch, back to Matthew. <laughs> Foggy comes over and uh, has a proposition, which is pretty much, we're done. Yeah, well, Foggy says, let's take a break. Let's figure things out because this case was a mess and they were anyways up Schitt's Creek with the whole Frank Castle situation and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, Foggy thinks at this point his reputation is completely ruined. Mm -hmm. I can't blame him. Yeah, I mean, he was essentially the face of the defense. Yeah. So Foggy's idea is to close down, get some distance for a little while. But Matt has another idea. Yeah. Matt wants to close down and shut shop completely. Because time isn't going to change who I am. I can feel my blood pressure rising Mm -hmm. right now. Yep. But at the same time, he's right. This is the only truly kind thing he's ever done for Foggy. 
He has, but here's the thing. He's not doing it for Foggy. He's self-destructing at this point. It doesn't even matter why he's doing it to me. It just matters that he's setting Foggy free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Foggy would not have done this himself. No. Matt had to let him go. Yeah. Foggy was hanging from the rope, refusing to let go. So Matt cut it. And this conversation between the two of them is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Great line here. You don't get to create danger and then protect us from that danger. That's not heroic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's right. He is. But, you know, it comes back to the question of what would the city look like without Daredevil? Fisk would be running it with an iron fist. Ha ha. And be invisible. <laughs> and would that be better than all the chaos? You'd have King Fisk running New York. Yeah, but here's the thing. Matt is not the only guy around. I'm not saying he shouldn't do what's right. But in the end, it wasn't Daredevil that took Fisk down. It was Matt who took Fisk down. Yeah. and. We know there are other superheroes out there. That doesn't mean that every superhero should think, oh, let the other one do it and sit down and, and play video games on their PlayStation. But there is a limit to what you can and you can't do. And I'm not talking just superheroes and fate of the world and all that crap. As a human being, there's a point where you say, I need to take a step back. Matt is trying to take on the weight of the world and he's failing and he's beating himself up for an impossible standard. That is not healthy. You know, I'm wondering if all of this could have been solved if he had just been invited into the Netflix group text. He does at the end of the season and he still <laughs> behaves like a stupid man. But Foggy is finally not being stupid. He's finally realizing yes. that he deserves better than Matt. He does. And Matt has the nerve. The fucking nerve. Here I go. Here I go. Hit the decibels here. To say to Foggy, I'm done apologizing to you for who I am. Oh, go fuck yourself, Murdoch. Absolutely. Yes. At this point, I would have walked out and never wanted to see his face again. Yep. The ego on him. You know, we talk about Matt's guilt and, you know, I just said that he's putting the weight of the world on him, on his shoulders and all of that. And he has some serious psychological issues because he does not believe he can be happy. But all of this is also coming down to his ego. Absolutely. And him saying that to Foggy after all the shit that he put Foggy and Karen through is ridiculous. Mm hmm. And speaking of Karen, she is back at the law firm that no longer exists because she will not let go of this case. Yeah, she's not letting Foggy get a word in edgewise because she's just gung-ho on this case. Yeah, well, we have a little detail coming back, namely that John Doe, whose autopsy report was, was also altered the same day as the Castle family's. Mm -hmm. She thinks he was one of the guys who was murdered alongside them at the carousel. Yeah, and she's right. Yes, but you know what? So is Foggy. This isn't their job anymore. This isn't at least a lawyer's job anymore. Yeah, he's right. And this is where we see that Karen isn't here for the law. No. 
She's here for the conspiracy. Yeah, she wants the truth. She wants to help Frank. In whichever way possible. And what breaks my heart here is that Karen is also clinging to the firm, to her job, to Matt and Foggy, because she's already had one family fall apart. Yeah. She can't handle losing another. And I get it. She is just as much of a mess as Matt. Yeah, she is. And we saw this in season one as well, when Foggy found out about Matt being Daredevil and they had this rift and they weren't speaking to each other and all of that. She was really affected by it. Yeah. Not just professionally because her two bosses are not communicating, but as friends too. And when they finally put their differences aside and got together to deal with Fisk, you could see the joy in her face. I still remember that scene very clearly. I think we discussed it. I mentioned this being kind of like when the kid sees their divorced parents coming back together. Yeah. Or it's like, can you tell I'm listening to the uh, Stephen Fry Harry Potter audiobooks again, everyone? It's like in Goblet of Fire when Harry and Ron are talking to each other for months and Hermione's right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Matt heads to the parking garage at Roxxon. Got to take out some more Yakuza goons here because he's trying to track down the hands dirty accountant from a couple episodes ago. Yeah, we remember seeing him in one of the earlier episodes where Matt basically took his key card. Yeah, and this guy is scared to the bones and tells Matt, look, dude, their plan is already set in motion. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, and he makes it very clear to Matt that he's not doing this willingly anymore. Yeah, if ever. If ever. His son is their hostage. Yes. Again, we see ruthless people are impossible to bargain with if you have a conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so his son is being held at some sort of fortress that I <laughs> wish God they'd given any other name. Yeah, the farm. <laughs> well, generally a farm can have very positive visual. Generally. Yeah, but you know what? You're also speaking to a woman who's listened to way too much information about Robert Willie Picton and his uh, Canadian farm to have happy thoughts of farms, you know? Who's that? He killed 49 women and uh, buried them and rendered their bodies and skinned them and whatnot on his farm. I see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Karen heads over to the New York Bulletin. Speaking of women. Yes, uh, to talk to Mitch, <laughs> who I just love seeing yeah. him every time. He is a breath of fresh air in this whole fucked up show. He is. With the fucked up people. He's also a real grounding presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he's like, he's the only normal person in the show. As in a regular person. I'd say him and Brett. Yeah. Yeah. So Mitch starts going over the castle files with Karen here. Smart move mm -hmm. to partner with him at this point, because now she's just doing investigative work. This is not legal stuff. So where else would she go? Right. Yeah. And Mitch wants Karen to pursue this because he's a damn good reporter. He knows she's on to something. Yeah. And at this point, he's sort of he's sort of pushing her in the direction of becoming an investigative reporter. Yeah. She doesn't even realize he's laying the trap of the job offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, oh, let's meet for lunch. You know, no agenda. Yeah. Let's just talk. Totally. Meanwhile, back in prison, 
Frank is heading over to deal with Mr. Dutton. And he's carrying a nice pile of white towels with him. You know, it's good to clean up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, they could come in handy for what he's about to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which is to <laughs> deal with, we'll say, uh, Dutton's protection first. Yeah, so he basically slits his throat. Yeah, yeah, and Dutton's terrified, as he should be. I must say that the dude, the protection, the muscle that he slit the fellow's throat off, it's nice of him to go and sit on the toilet <laughs> and spew all the blood in the sink. You know, keep things clean. It's considerate of him. Yeah, it's a small cell, you know, it's a mess. So that's happening. Matt's headed over to the farm, but Karen and Mitch are going to see the medical examiner, Tepper, because they want more information on this John Doe. Yeah, so this guy is scared shitless. He's not at home. He's at some motel. Yeah, he's lost his job. He's being followed. He's a mess. Yeah. He's trapped like a rat, and I do feel bad for him. Yeah, me too. And Karen uses his fear to encourage him to be honest and say what was happening and who that guy was. Yeah, she's quite the skilled manipulator herself, isn't she? She's had a lot of practice and she's learned from the best. Yeah, because does Karen really care so much about giving this guy his life back? No, but it would be a nice bonus for her. She's on the train to save Frank Castle. This is just an added cart on the track. Passing through Crazy Town. No, no, no. The final stop is Crazy Town. <laughs> so Tepper drops a bombshell. John Doe was an undercover cop. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Back in prison, it's time to get some answers out of Mr. Dutton, who turns out was brokering the drug deal at the carousel. Yeah. So this is where we get a little more information that undercover cop was there at the carousel for this drug deal and it was a sting and this is where we find out that the main target of the operation was someone called the blacksmith yeah he wasn't there that night or that day but he orchestrated everything yes and shit hit the fan yeah and this is the really tough thing for frank to accept like dutton says to him every finger found a trigger there's no way to know who actually killed his family mm -hmm. and i actually found myself wondering here hmm was the family really killed in a crossfire or were they executed by the feds because they witnessed all this watch the punisher season two uh-huh one day one day mm -hmm. when my stomach is stronger yeah we have a lot to cover in this particular universe yes so frank's had enough time to shiv dutton but he doesn't kill him no, I don't know if that was intentional or not. If Frank Castle wants you dead, you're dead. I think he wanted him to True. suffer a little while. Okay, I and, would not be opposed to that. And again, this music here is just fantastic. Yeah, as soon as Frank is done with his job, he comes out and he sees a line of officers waiting there. And they don't let him out. Double cross. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Fisk is standing above saying thank you. Goodbye. In his onesie. <laughs> <laughs> it takes 
a lot for a man to be intimidating in a onesie. It does, yes. Especially when he's bald <laughs> as a baby. <laughs> but it's pretty easy to be intimidating when you completely turn feral and just lose your mind with your shiv and everything else you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was yelling at people whose names I don't even know during this, screaming, stop it, sound designers, stop it. I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, the sound design is fantastic. And the blood is amazing. I love it that they wanted to keep the newbies wearing white. Yes. So that he's just a patchwork of red and white. Yes. It is incredible. That overhead shot where Frank is practically bathing in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. It's fantastic. This is this reminded me of what I was talking about in the previous episode of fucking in blood. Yeah. From True Blood. Yeah. This is a moment where he's not quite human. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. And speaking of not quite human, what are you guys growing here at the farm? Blood. Uh, You're not growing it. You're harvesting it. Uh, he can hear it. <laughs> yeah. Matt can hear the blood flowing in the basement and there's way too much of it. Yeah, it's all like dripping consistently. Uh, and back at the bulletin, Karen is finally starting to realize just how high this castle conspiracy goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, in case it wasn't bad enough that she was driving Ben's car, uh, now she's taking his office. Not okay. Yeah, I don't know why they did this. And logically, it would not make sense for Ben's office to be empty for so long. And not only that, but they didn't even clear out his stuff. Well, think of it this way. You could rationalize it by saying Mitch left it for sentiment and they've been downsizing at the paper. That sentiment outweighed the need for the office. You can come up with stuff for that yeah i don't know i just find it icky well keep in mind mitch doesn't know the truth about how and why ben died i don't think this would be happening if he did true yes i'm not blaming mitch yeah i just feel like if i were in karen's position i wouldn't be able to step into that office let alone work in that office yeah yeah well she's buried those emotions pretty far down i mean she's already driving his car you know yeah true yeah, and we also get a scene where we see the desk and Ben's bottle of antacid is still there. Yeah. We know she's going to get some use of that. Yeah, and next to it is a big file on Karen Page. Yeah. He knew everything about her. Mm-hmm. As did Mitch. Yep. And Wool is great in this moment. Regardless of how I feel about Karen, she's fantastic here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. It all, it almost felt like all of that came crashing into her mind as well at the same time. Yeah. Like a slap in the face in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she lives in as much denial as Matt in some ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're heading back to prison now where I have a confession to make. Go ahead. So Mr. Fisk goes to see Frank in isolation. He's pretty pissed that he's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got a point here. If you want to survive. You adapt. Mm -hmm. And Fisk didn't believe all the stories before about the Punisher. Well, he's seen it now. Yeah, and I don't blame him. 
I mean, if you hear one guy is killing hundreds of gangsters, it seems unbelievable. Yeah. So these two are here standing up face to face and Frank is covered in blood. And I am more than a little <laughs> concerned about myself because thus far, this is the only time I have found Frank Castle attractive. <laughs> I have a confession to make as well because I was afraid to say this, but <laughs> you anyways insinuate I'm a murderer. So I was not saying this because you'd probably, you know, jump down my throat. But when he in the previous scene when he's killing all these people and he's lying there in that blood <laughs> super hot yeah yeah when he's standing there covered yeah. in blood with fisk i just want to rip that onesie right off him yep okay yep. we may not have found your through line but apparently we we found our through line good to know <laughs> so the balls on wilson fisk here after just trying to have Castle executed suggests that they team up and join forces. <laughs> you gotta give him chops for his confidence. And you also have to give Frank credit for headbutting the shit out of him. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This fight here is quick but amazing. It is. And the two of them together, they're so powerful. Yeah. You can feel the energy vibrating off of them. Yeah, and in this scenario, you really don't know who would come out on top. No, no. You could take bets all day on that one. Yeah. And you can also see just how badly Fisk needs this physical violence, this release. Yes, and Frank is, as always, ready for a fight. Yeah, now Frank has the right to call him Fat Matt. That would be fine. <laughs> but he doesn't stoop that low. No, and my respect for Frank only increases when he refuses to play ball. Yeah, he would never. If he did, that would be poor writing. Yeah, he refuses even knowing now that Fisk is, he is in total control of the prison in which he's incarcerated. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Frank will not bend. He will not compromise his integrity. No. but. He will take an opportunity if offered. And that opportunity is to escape from prison. Yeah, and that's smart for Frank to do. Of course. Because he's not willing to play ball. And it's smart for Fisk to offer as well. Of course. Because Castle would have gotten, into, gotten in Fisk's way at every opportunity if he was still in the same prison. Totally. And Fisk knows Frank's going to go take out his competition. Yeah. So he's kingpin inside, and when he's ready to come out, he will, by default, be the leader. Right, because Frank will have taken out the blacksmith. Not only the blacksmith, but everyone else involved. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised if Frank just goes on after killing, you know, the Irish, the dogs of hell, yada yada. He would go on to the Yakuza just for the fun of it. Yeah, we're going to see some of that. Yep. We're going to get an inkling of mm -hmm. that. And... Frank reluctantly agrees here. He'll walk out, but first promises Fisk he will kill him one day. Yeah. And I think Fisk is equally certain that Castle will be the one to die in that confrontation. Yep. And I have no idea which one of them is right. Both. 
It's a 50-50 at this point. So Matt is still at the farm and I was just yelling at the TV at this point. I don't want to see the basement. <laughs> don't take me down there. But that's where the actual harvesting is happening. Stop saying harvesting. You're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I am. And, you know, these poor emaciated zombie people in these fucking giant blood buckets, blood tubs, they are ruining any happy childhood memories I have of old slushy fountains where it would just be that filtered red water in the tank over and over mm -hmm. again because. This mm -hmm. is all I can now picture. Wait, they weren't in the blood tub. The blood was going into a tub. Uh, stop saying tub. Certain words are off limits for the rest of this episode. I'm saying now tub, I don't like it. You said the word. Not saying it anymore. It's off the list. Tub. <sighs> um, <laughs> I want your opinion on this. Sure. Maybe it was just me. But, okay, so Daniel, the accountant's son. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Gentleman playing the accountant, I am sorry to say this, but you have pedophile face, sir. And there was a part of me that was wondering if this kid was actually his son. Look at the guy. He's got <laughs> pedophile face as far as movies and TV goes. And he's a little creepy. Like, I thought this may have been a different situation. No. Okay, I'm not going to comment on the face, <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel bad to say that about anyone. But the way the guy was acting, he had genuine love and affection for his son. He wouldn't have been working with the Yakuza if it weren't his real son. I, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not entertaining this. It was his son. I do believe now. I do believe now it was his son. Yes. Uh-huh. And as Matt is taking a look around at this horror, somebody shows up. Somebody who uh, was supposed to be dead. Yeah. And he's back with the same tool that sliced and diced Matt in the last season. Yeah. Although at least he's got a scar. On his face. Yes. yes. From the fire. He's not totally invincible. Yeah, but we only see the face. We don't know what happened to the rest of the body because he had been completely burnt. Yes. So here we get another amazing scene now at the prison hospital <laughs> where Dutton is suffering. He's got a few hours to live, but don't worry, he won't have to be alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Fisk is sitting there with his portable table and a knife and fork, and he's enjoying a nice meal. This is Hannibal Lecter eating his rare lamb chops. Yeah. And it reminds you of season one when Fisk would sit, sit at his table and have his breakfast. Yes. And this is what I call one of my family guy moments when he looks at Dutton and says, in prison, there's only one kingpin. And I said, ah, he said it. <laughs> yep. And then we see Frank Castle walk right out of the prison, a free man, well, sort of, in riot gear. Yep. That's all he needs, more equipment to keep himself safe. Oh, well, he's not done. Yeah, he's not. Neither is Nobu, because he's still got his enormous curved sickle knife, whatever you want to call it. Scythe, I don't even know. Yeah, I was waiting for him to hook Matt up again like he did last time. 
Yeah, again, the blood budget. I have to know. I think the blood budget was higher than the cost was being paid. Possibly. And we see here that Matt is just no match for Nobu, who's supposed to be dead, but there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's where things really start to get what I'm going to call wooey-woo. Yeah, and Nobu manages to cut off the pipes where all the blood is dripping mm. so that he can take that big container, seems kind of ritualistic, full of blood down. Uh. So here in episode 10, things really start to come together with the hand. Yeah, this is where things get kicked into high gear. Yeah, so Matt tips off Brett about this fucking horror show, and they find all these Mm -hmm. dying kids. I mean, this is Mengele shit. Yeah. This kind of experimentation and torture, it was really rough to watch. It is. And talking with Brett, Matt keeps the information about the hand to himself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Because if he does tell Brett any of this, his name will no longer be Daredevil, but the Crazy Devil. Yeah. And, you know, here's where, again, I'm of two minds with Matt. He's right. These kids need to stay off the grid. But do we have to drag Claire into this? I know, yes, we kind of have to, yes, but I hate it still. (laughs) I know he's right, but I still hate it. I know, yes, (sighs) but I find it hard to believe that there's nobody else that who could take care of these kids. It's not that, it's that he doesn't know anybody else. He doesn't know who else he can trust. Yeah, true, but don't put Claire in danger, especially when she's not dating Luke Cage yet. That guy's (laughs) invincible. But at the same time... Matt's priority is the kids here, and I can't fault him for that. Mm-hmm. Turns out he probably should have just left the kids as is. Well, he doesn't know that. Yeah, and, I know. And I feel terrible about saying that in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And Matt knows Claire is going to be thinking along the same lines as him. So, yeah, she's on board right away because it's always the patient first with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She manages to take the kids to a section in the hospital that is under renovation. So it's off the books. Yeah. And what a job they did with these kids, the makeup, the costumes. They're emaciated, unconscious. Their fingerprints are burned off. These kids, for all intents and purposes, don't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, they've been reduced to things. And it's so unsettling. It is. Yes. They're not people. They're just blood bags. Yeah. So Matt sneaks in to see Claire. And... You know, she sees both sides of it, too. She gets it, even as she's pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what, Matt? She deserved full disclosure before she made this choice. I think Claire still would have taken the kids in, knowing that she'd be in danger, but she still deserved the information Matt gives her here beforehand. Yeah, I agree. I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah, but Matt is using her, and that's not right. Yeah. But again... For these kids. True. Who could turn those kids away? Who could look at those kids and not want to do everything they could to help them? Yeah, and she would have, but full disclosure. Yeah. At least she's going in with her eyes wide open. And here's where Matt hears the announcement of Castle's escape on the police scanner. Uh Uh-oh. As if his hands were not already full. I think he's got more than enough hands at this point. Yep. That was shameless even for both of us. That was just 
ridiculous. <laughs> so with Castle's escape, D.A. Reyes would like to have a chat with Foggy, Matt, and Karen at the courthouse. Yeah. First off, bad idea. She should not be at the courthouse. No, no, no. She should be anywhere else. Yeah, and this conversation should be happening on Zoom. <laughs> and Karen's right off the bat here. There's no way Frank could orchestrate something like this so fast. That's not in his skill set, or at least enough yeah. of a skill, especially without any resources. Correct. He would have blasted his way through. He would not have escaped quietly. And isn't it just amazing how Deborah Ann Wall and Charlie Cox are able to just slam the door on that sexual tension mm -hmm. yeah it is now just awkwardness it is yeah in fact even when he's on top of her later on while the bullets are flying there's nothing no and they're they're fantastic actors yeah and to matt's credit he knows immediately that fisk is behind this escape it's the only thing that makes mm -hmm. sense foggy's the one being naive here yeah foggy isn't putting two and two together at this point foggy doesn't want to put two and two together yeah he's tired he just wants to be done with the crazy dude speak to marcy get a job go away yeah yeah helena montana tacoma washington <laughs> at this point i think you have a map of the united states with pins there for foggy can go here <laughs> and here and there <laughs> <laughs> this town needs a butcher shop. Ding! And here we get something truly terrifying, uh, which is Reyes trying to be nice. Yeah, and you can see she is scared. Yeah, but that's also when she's at her least trustworthy. Turns out it's actually the time when she's finally honest. Mm. For her own reasons, though. But she really... Yeah. She has some nerve now asking them for help after all the shit she's pulled. Yeah, but at least she's being humble about it to a certain extent. Yeah. She's giving and not just taking. Yeah. And we continue this pattern of threatened kids because somebody is putting the pressure on Reyes's daughter. Yes. And man, this is like swallowing glass for her, admitting that the DA's office set up the sting at the carousel. Yeah. And they did not clear it of civilians beforehand. That is a Waco level fuck up. That is just off the charts negligent. That is criminal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why she's done so much to try to cover it up. Yeah. This is like a doctor killing somebody on the table through negligence because they were drunk or because of whatever reason. She should be prosecuted for this. At the very least, disbarred. She is so fucking mm -hmm. corrupt. Yeah. And the fact that she's coming clean goes to show just how scared she is for herself and for her daughter yeah the kids in protective custody and i'm with karen here right away she does not buy that frank is behind this because she knows he would never go after somebody's innocent kid yep and he doesn't threaten correct he just comes he does what he wants to do and walks away and did you notice she took out a picture of the skull and showed it to them Every time we're seeing the skull, which is Frank Castle's skull with a bullet in his head, it's looking more and more like the Punisher logo. I didn't notice any kind of transition with it, though I did. It was in my mind, of course, the logo, but I didn't notice it changing. 
yeah, it's a gradual change. This one has been the closest so far to the actual logo. Cool. In this show. Unfortunately for Reyes, though, it's a little too late. Matt hears the click of the gun before the shooting starts. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for that, they would all be dead. Yeah. Matt's first instinct is to protect Karen. Yes. He pushes both of them down, Foggy and Karen. Yeah. But he jumps over Karen. Yes. Yeah. And Foggy is shot in the process. Thankfully, no vital organs were hit. Yeah. Pretty clean shot. Uh, Blake Tower is unhurt, but Reyes is quite dead. Yeah. She's very dead and she's oozing a lot of blood. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I will say, in <laughs> hindsight, this was super obvious, but at the time, I didn't see this shit coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And no way would Frank do this simply for no other reason than Karen's in the room. Yeah, agreed. And he doesn't go in blind just like that. So mayhem ensues after this. The feds are all over the place. The chaos is really well done. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Foggy's going to be okay. And his usual protests with Matt fall on deaf ears. Matt's going to go after Frank yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. And fuck Blake Tower here for making excuses for Reyes and all she did. Oh, her career, her career. Her career should have been over. She got a family killed. She exercised terrible judgment and then compounded it with a cover up. You're done. Yeah, he's doing that. I don't think it's so much about Reyes. I mean, of course, he did, he did care about her. You can see he's emotional and he's also shaken up. But it's also the fact that he was complicit, not at the time, but later on. He kind of went with the flow. Yeah, he's not a good guy. Yeah, he's not a good guy. And he's trying to make excuses for her and by proxy covering for him, making excuses for himself as well. That's true. So Matt doesn't go straight for Frank Castle. He's got another stop to make first. Oh, my favorite scene of the episode. Oh, my God. It's time to go see Wilson. Yep. Another play date. (laughs) And how considerate of Mr. Fisk to put the visitation agreement in Braille. What a nice guy. It is. He's a gentleman. Who will only be referred to as Mr. Fisk. Talk about insecurities. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would not want to address him as anyway, in any way besides Mr. Fisk, so <laughs> please, thank you. And what's amazing is that this is only the second time that Matt Murdock and Fisk are meeting face-to-face. Yeah. The first was in season one when Matt had the cojones to go to Vanessa's art gallery. Yeah, he wasn't expecting to meet Fisk at that time, and he kind of shat his pants <laughs> when he walked in. He sure did. and matt pulls those cojones back out again because he confronts fisk immediately you're aiming a loose cannon at someone yeah but fisk isn't gonna fall for that so easily he's not gonna admit to anything yes and matt is starting to lose his cool here because fisk is staying so calm and denying everything yeah but then matt has a brainstorm doesn't he He brings out his trump card. There's a reason you don't push the big red button. (laughs) Yeah. So he tells Fisk that if you do not cooperate with me, I will ensure that Vanessa 
will never step foot in the country again. Yeah, because Vanessa is not a citizen. She's on a visa. Right. Yep. And what an incredible monologue by Charlie Cox here. Yeah. I can break you without breaking a single law. (laughs) Yeah. He does a fantastic job and Fisk is just raging, seething inside. Yeah. And guess what, Maddie? He can he can break your fucking face without breaking a sweat. How do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that Matt has a face after that slam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Just even before that, when Fisk busts his cuffs, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. It was fantastic. I loved that bit where just Fisk just t- grabs his head and just slams him against the, the table. It's amazing. Yeah. Kind of like what I wanted to do Matt, to Matt earlier. Yeah. It happened. I'm glad. And I know these guys are very well-trained actors, but they're also very, D'Onofrio especially, very intense actors. If I'm Charlie Cox, I don't know how I don't piss myself here, honestly. No, I mean, they put foam and all of that. The sound effect was later added later on. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, the intensity of, of being in uh-huh. that scene and knowing you're up against a guy who is literally twice your size, right up in your face. God, it's terrifying. It is. And there's, maybe that's why they didn't show him full length, just his face, you know, in case his pants were wet. so fisk just doubles down here with matt and makes it abundantly clear that he foggy and karen will never be safe so long as fisk Mm -hmm. is alive with any power yeah i mean that was understood to say this backfired spectacularly is the understatement of the decade yeah because matt is not thinking clearly he's he's flailing yeah it's, he's not doing anything constructive. Back at the bulletin, Karen is, I wouldn't say having doubts about Frank, but she's keeping an open mind about potential involvement he may have with this. She's not being driven so much by the tunnel vision right now. She wants to keep digging. And she wants to get to the bottom of it and find out the truth, no matter what it may be. And huge credit to Mitch for going with her to see the medical examiner. He might just be the most noble character truly on this show. Yeah. He's being protective of Karen and he's also supporting her in whatever direction she's going with. Yeah. Because he's a damn good boss and reporter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He knows how to get the best out of his employees. And now we head to a private airport where I immediately found myself wondering uh, when this dude shows up with Electra. Which one of them is the mark here? Who's playing whom? (laughs) Well, clearly she's the mark, but she's not falling for it. No, because she wasn't born yesterday. Unlike a certain lawyer. Yes. Yes, who just fell off a fucking turnip truck. (laughs) So we'll get back to them in a minute after we go see a very dead medical examiner, Tepper. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Somebody is definitely making it seem like Frank Castle is on a rampage, taking out everyone who's wronged him. Yeah, it does. And again, it's the same MO as as the courthouse 
It's just blindly just shooting into everything. Yeah. And after this, Karen's back to fully digging in. This is not Frank. Mm -hmm. This is not how he operates. And, you know, I get where Mitch is coming from here and thinking that Karen is projecting this nobility, this good in Frank. But I am damn tired of men telling Karen she's wrong and doesn't know what she's talking about because she's the only one who's right. Yeah, she's the only one who's right. But I also understand where Mitch is coming from because he knows her history. That's true. Where Foggy and Matt don't. That's a really good point. Yeah. So even though he is wrong, he has something to stand on. He does. And now we're back at the hospital with the world's creepiest children. (laughs) Yeah. And the accountant's son is awake, Daniel. Yeah. Good old Daniel. And uh, Matt's here too, waiting for Claire on the roof. Yeah. Yeah, By the way, Matt, your uh, best friend, you know, that guy who's seen you through thick and thin. Yeah, he's fine. But you wouldn't know that because you haven't been to see him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Claire calls him out on that. Yeah. And it all comes down to, oh, Maddie's pissed at him and he's also feeling guilty because everything's his fault all the time. Yeah. And again, she's calling him out on that. I love the way she gets in his face. Maybe you should climb down off that cross of yours. Yeah. Yeah. She's so done with his bullshit. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, um, yeah, the kids talk screens, they're showing a whole bunch of shit that shouldn't really be in a human body. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what is in their bodies. Uh, Just that. It seems like they've been incubating something. Oh, God. These words. Yeah, so they're basically using these kids as dialysis machines. Yeah, for something. Yep. So they need the blood with this stuff in it for whatever they're doing. Yes. And because of this, of all this supernatural craziness, on top of knowing that Fisk is now running the prison, Matt's come to a decision. and. Fucking finally, I'm actually with him here. The more Matt Murdock tries not to kill people, the more I fucking want him to. <laughs> I, I want to be a murderer by the end of this season. That's what he pushes me to. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, so it's time to go Stick's way. Matt has finally realized he cannot live two lives. But when he's saying he's going Stick's way, he's not saying he's going to be a murderer. He's saying he's going to give up his day life of being a lawyer. Yeah. And Claire supports this idea in the sense of, okay, good. You can't live two lives anymore. But she definitely thinks he's picking the wrong one. Yeah. And she would encourage him to be honest with the people he cares about with his friends rather than trying to hide who he is. Yeah. He's essentially turning his back on his own humanity and humanity in general by doing this. Yeah, he thinks he's going to save humanity by being less human. And she knows that that's crap because he's not the only superhero that she knows at this point. Right. She's met all the other defenders. And, you know, no matter what you say about Jessica Jones or Luke Cage and the others, they were better at managing the two halves of their lives than Matt ever was. In fact, Jessica Jones made her superpowers her job. Right. She figured out how to make it work. Yeah. 
she's seriously fucked in the head, but at least she balanced it all. True. Uh, so the world's second worst cops, I say second worst because we're going to see the worst cops later, uh, are currently <laughs> escorting Karen under protective custody back to her apartment. Mm-hmm. They prove to be useless immediately as they are dropped yeah. in the hallway. And we see it's Frank who's come in completely unarmed, or at least he doesn't have a gun in his <laughs> yes, hand. Yes, Frank Castle is never unarmed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he doesn't have a gun in his hand, let's say that. Yeah. And he wants to talk to Karen. But he, again, shows her respect. She has her gun on him and he can see she knows damn well how to use it. Mm-hmm. And he listens. She tells him, put he, your hands up. He obeys. He does. He doesn't try to make any quick moves. Nothing like that. Until the real gunman shows up and unloads on the place. Yes. And we have a great mirror scene over here where first it was Matt protecting Karen from the gunshots and now it's Frank protecting Karen from the gunshots. Yes. And this is not a damsel in distress situation by any means. No, it isn't. She could protect herself. Which she has shown 10 times over. And now not only she, but we know for a fact that this wasn't Frank. Right. And as this is going down, Fisk is digging even more into Matt, like a dog with a bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While Electra and, and we'll call him Jack, are having their big old airport fist fight here. Yeah. And we find out that the hand didn't send him. No. It was Stick yeah. that sent him. He's fucking nuts, but I kind of love him for it. I hate him for it. This is Stick's version of you don't fire me, I quit. I don't quite see it that way. I see this, and this is combined with what we will learn about Stick in the next three episodes in his relationship with Electra. I see this as a man who has also finally accepted the truth about her fully. And he is now trying to save humanity one because the hand wants her she's their weapon and and he knows what that could do and two she's a psychopath who really loves killing people and she doesn't need to be paid to do it it's just a hobby for her so let's protect people Mm -hmm. yeah but he was the one who also trained her knowing that yes but we're gonna get into that in those next episodes and my feelings on stick Mm -hmm. in that regard I think he was very well-intentioned in terms of her. We'll we'll get there. That's for next episode. All right. But he unintentionally made things worse because now she's got her signature weapons. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Mm -hmm. And you have quite the smile on your face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do love her playing with those. I don't know what to call them. mini tridents i don't know they're not daggers they're not daggers they're not knives i have no idea The three-pronged if there's a technical word for it and you guys know about it if there's something in the comics please tell us salad forks 
Sure, let's go with that. Yes, she's deciding to fork everyone. <laughs> I know as much about different forks as uh, Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, so I'm just taking a shot in the dark. Uh-huh. So now at the close of episode 10, we enter a horror movie. Yep. The ninjas are climbing up the walls, quite literally, and these kids are standing in formation. Yeah. These kids all awake and out of bed is as creepy as anything like Wes Craven has ever done. Mm -hmm. And it's only intensified by these flashing lights and the alarm going off. Yeah, and they're saying something, aren't they? I don't want to know. Weren't they saying something? I don't know. It's enough of a creep show as is. Yeah, but they also managed to kill the accountant dude. Yeah, he had a ticking clock over his head. Come on. He did. He did. But I don't think this is the way he thought he would go. Of always. A supernatural, blood-draining, incubating ninja cult? No, I don't think that would have been on its list. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. So that wraps up episodes 8 to 10 of Daredevil Season 2. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for the final three episodes of Daredevil Season 2. No more blood. I can't take it anymore. Oh boy. She's in for a rough ride, isn't she? I really am. God. (laughs) In the meantime, come chat with us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And if you guys want a personalized shout out on the podcast, head over to iTunes and Spotify and pretty please write us a review. Yes, and for more content and our blog, check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. If he asks me what my love language is, I will slap him. He won't see it coming. (laughs) What is your love language? Touch. Okay. What is my love language? I don't even know if I have a love language. Of course you do. Everyone does. It's been so long. I've forgotten everything. So I don't know. <laughs> he likes me and Hook. He's forgotten everything. <laughs> You've never seen Hook, obviously. No, I haven't. Yeah, I don't even know why I bother. <laughs>